Hello and welcome to this week's episode of SOS She Made It. Today we have the incredible Lily Hodge, professional dancer, and I would I would say activist as well in the dance industry. So Lily's spirit, she's an independent woman and she's lighting up the dance world with her talent, her smarts and her drive to create a better world um, wherever she goes and whatever she, she touches, she brings light and empowerment to it. To give you an idea of uh, Lily's career and her background, she's one of the leading professional backing dancers in our, in our industry. Lily choreographs a lot of uh, our School of SOS international routines that are taught all over the world. She's worked for Limix, Dua Lipa, Zara Larson, Megan Trainer, Jess Glynn, Kylie Minogue, the MTV, Britain's Got Talent, The Voice, The Brit Awards. Uh, you know, the list goes on. And what's so interesting about Lily's story is not just the success she's had, but the mindset behind the success and how she's bringing her human experience to everything that she does, because it's not just about the next job, about how it's gonna grow her as a woman, as a person, as a human, so she can achieve everything and more that she deserves in her life. So this episode is really about her story and a different way of thinking and really breaking mold and living life on your terms and your rules. So enjoy it, I hope you love it, and we'll see you on the other side. So, Lily, welcome to SOS. She made it. You have made it. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear all about how you've done that and to get to talk to you properly because we've spent quite a lot of time together over lockdown doing instructor training courses together. Um, so do you want to just say hi? And the first thing that I, I love asking when I do interviews is just tell me your story. So go back to when you're a little girl like what did you want to be when you grew up um tell me your story and like why dance why did why did you get into mm. dance what's your background good question why dance but hello bunny thanks for Hi. having me <laughs> I love the whole idea of this podcast you know after all about women empowerment and I love that it's called she made it it's amazing and mm. um, so yeah thanks for having me um okay so my story where I started why dance um, as a child, just got put into the hobby of ballet, tap, modern from two. Used to love it, go all the time at a local dance school near me. And I actually used to be really shy. Like I always used to struggle. Like when it would go get to like the performance, I just used to feel like my whole body would go bright red. Like, and that, yeah, just, and I always think back now, like, I don't know why I was so shy back then. Like I just used to feel like, so I don't know why, I suddenly wanted to do this as a career because apparently I used to find it quite hard to perform. <laughs> did, you, did you like your mom force you to go to dance classes or something? Like, or like, did you want to go? No, I, I wanted to go. Yeah, my sister, me and my sister went together. It was always my sister that wanted to get out of it. But I used to love it. But I always used to feel like I don't think I would show them. But I remember always feeling like when it would get to like performing, I would go bright red. And I used to just pretend it was because I was hot. <laughs> oh, I was just embarrassed. <laughs> like my it's like my body could not hide like how I guess self-conscious I felt like just put being put in that position where like all eyes are suddenly on you so I guess I kind of was addicted to this coping mechanism maybe of like being in the spotlight I'm not sure but I was clearly was kept going back for more loved dance I just it was kind of all I knew it was the one place I probably felt like yeah, friends. I had friends there. It was just a routine for me. It felt good. I've become quite good at it. And there, it just got to that point called college is coming up next. Well, for me, it was like there was no other way than for me to go to a dance college. It was like the people that I liked being around. And because I, through dance, realized I was that person that wanted to be the best of the best. I didn't want to be a mediocre dancer. I didn't just want to like mm -hmm. float through. I didn't want to waft. So, for me at that time, I just thought, well, I have to go to dance college. If I just went to like, you know, you can go to these colleges. We had uh, Seek and Civic and stuff where I'm from in Essex, uh, where you can do like dance courses within that while you do um, other academic subjects too. But I was like, no, I need to dive in all dance. I wanted to go to London. I knew I wanted to go to Erdang, um, like to get out of my comfort zone as well. And 
I, I really I can't explain why I knew I just wanted to dance I just knew I, it's just all I ever knew that to yeah. dance that was became what I just wanted to try and prove to myself that I could achieve you said you know I knew I wanted to be the best of the best like I didn't want to like waft into it where did that come from because I think um from in my experience of just talking to different people people can kind of just go well you know, as long as I'm surviving, as long as I'm earning money, I just want to be getting that, that paycheck. There's a very, um, I did a class. I did, do you know Kevin Maha, the choreographer, Kevin Maha? Yeah. Um, when I was training, I did one of his classes and he always used to say, show your work. Is in like, don't cut corners, like use your body to its full extent, like show your work. And I feel like as dancers, our work isn't just a job like it's a work of art like it's a piece of work mm. what we're doing and being the best at what we do especially if you're going to get to the top of it you've got to really have some like steel in you to get you there like being the best at what we do is in our veins where did that come from for you uh, I, I think maybe it's just like proving to yourself like I just what I wanted like I, I guess I only realized like in fact now like about that stage where I used to feel like if people were watching me I would be so embarrassed I guess I wanted to be at that stage where I felt like people were watching me and I wanted to be that person that they all watched I didn't want to be the one that went red I didn't want to <laughs> feel shy of how good I was I wanted to be great and I wanted to know that I was and it was okay to be seen so I feel like I just wanted to keep diving into like the deepest part of me to create the best possible dancer version of myself and I still feel like I still do that yeah, like I'm still sure. on that or like a, yeah like I think I've probably realized you can obviously try you go through periods where you train a lot harder than others because you're more determined especially when you're on your way up there's not a better time and you are more determined to train like you don't you train your hardest when you're not yet seen like a natural instinct it was like it wasn't necessarily someone telling you or a piece of advice it was more like an, a natural energy and instinct that you're like almost like a higher intelligence coming through at an earlier age do you would you say that's right I, I love that and I think that's probably why I can't describe it in words because okay. it just yeah I didn't really feel any other way there wasn't really another option I just wanted or and I knew I could be like I knew what what I imagined mm. myself to do like I could do it I just yeah. knew <laughs> I had I can really relate to that because when I you know when I was the same age as what you're describing um all of the self-doubt those voices I feel like came a lot later when I was in that like early stage of like that really naive ambitious girl I was just really connected to something that was like you can fucking do it and I was like yeah I can you know um Moving on to like, I'm just going to read out your credits just so our listeners can get an idea if they're not like familiar with your career so far. So <laughs> you work with Little Mix, Dua Lipa, Zara Larson, Megan Trainer, Jess Glynn, Kylie Minogue, The X Factor, The EMAs, Britain's Got Talent, The Voice, The Brit Awards. You've worked with the biggest choreographers, the biggest artists in the industry. Can you tell me about the story behind the CV? So you got into Erdang. You trained your ass off. Erdang's a great mm -hmm. college to go to because it kind of pre prepares you really well for the commercial industry, at least from my understanding. I didn't obviously go there. But what was next? Like you, you graduated Erdang like hundreds of dancers do. Why are you at the top of your game? And, and a lot of them aren't. Like tell me the story of how you cracked into the industry. I feel like, and this is why I knew I wanted to go to Erdang because it actually doesn't, at the time, we didn't really do a lot of commercial. It just seems to attract like the commercial heads. And when I first went, I wasn't commercial. I never grew up doing that. I did ballet, tap, modern. But the way that I always dressed back then was super kind of alternative. So I just kind of got like boxed into that category. So I had, I just kind of like, that's how I look. So maybe this is my stream. And I kind of just went with it. And I did outside classes while I was at Erdang. And Dean Lee used to teach at Erdang a lot. And all mm -hmm. through the summer school before I started, I was doing all of his classes and I just created like a bond with him. And he would always have my back whenever he did projects. He'd always put me on. He does that with a lot of his students. Could you just and explain for our listeners who Dean Lee is? I know Dean Lee and I've known him for a long time, but he, he's major. So can you just explain yeah. a bit about who Dean is? Yeah, he's massively major. He um, he was someone I always looked up to and one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Erdang, but he is mm. a super imaginative creative that just, he creates absolute masterpieces. I always knew him from assisting Brian Freeman. 
who is somebody that I always wanted to work for. Yeah, his choreographer, Janet Jackson. And yeah, he's just a very talented dancer, extreme creative, and he's just very well respected in the dance industry and creative industry, for sure. So the fact that Dean was teaching at Erdang... I'll, I'll let you tell the rest of the story, but I think that's that maybe is a is quite a big piece. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, the fact that he was there, I was like, oh, I want, and back back then it was just his classes. I was like, I want to learn from this guy. Mm. This looks so fun. And um, yes, and I was in my second year at college, and he'd got uh, me and three other girls to do this project for a girl band. We was being the girl band, and he was like using us as the bodies, and we did this whole little performance. Like, and the girl band came and watched. It's like we were pretending to sing, doing dancing, and all of that. And after one rehearsal, and it was just at a time for me where I knew like I was coming into myself, like my look, I just felt good. I was like, oh, this is like I just loved doing Dean's stuff. And he was after one rehearsal, he was like, girls, the X Factor auditions tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think you should go. He's like, I was like, oh my God, well, second year, I'm not invited. He was like, no, come with me. Like, you, I think you should go. And all three of us were like, oh my God, should we do it? And we did. Like, and I went, like, that night, I remember, okay, got my outfit, black. I just was such, like, a little goth, I guess, those days. I was, like, had fishnets everywhere. Like, I just, like, buckles. And I remember sitting in my room that night before, and I I, I wasn't into meditating or anything then. I didn't, I didn't know the power that that kind of had but in a way I guess that's what I was I kind of done that night before I remember sitting on my sofa feeling like I'm ready for this I can do this I'm going to do it like I knew that I could do that job and I just Mm. I just it was just I just felt great like whether it was just because I'd been asked to go like it all just this this frequency I was in was oh so high and I just went to bed feeling great and ready excited and yeah went to that audition obviously was nervous as well mm-hmm. um but like kept getting through the rounds and it was at Dominion Theatre where uh, We Will Rock You is actually performed yeah. in Tottenham Court Road and that was my first ever audition and so went there and it, yeah so obviously seeing Brian in his and the panel I was like oh my god this is so surreal mm-hmm. um and yeah like kept getting through and then before I knew it I was in and I remember being like okay I went to the front when it was a break and we were all going through it. And Mm -hmm. I swear this is the way, and I I kind of do it now, but it's obviously like you're going through it in your own head. You're marking it under tempo. You know you can look good. And I remember going to the front when I was going through it myself and I remember him looking. I mean, I was thinking, yes. like, (laughs) (laughs) And then, then, yeah, before I knew it, I was in a group with five other girls who – I knew all of them. Like, I'd looked up to them for ages. It was Kiefer Coleman, Pam, who I'd just watched basically this Dirty Dancing program where there'd been like this competition, um, it, like this dance competition. And they, they, the winners won a contract with Block Agency in LA. And it was basically the dancers from that. And I was like, <laughs> um, Kim Taylor and Leanne Lee May at the time, who was assisting Brian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god it's if I'm in this group like I didn't know what was happening but yeah so that I, I just got through and then I went back to college and then I remember this the second week like a week later Jerry Reeve who is like now like a really great friend of mine one of my closest agents Facebook messaged me like are you free for X Factor this week and I was just like as if this is like, I didn't even have an email at this point I didn't even have emails. I watched your emails. I don't have one. And one of the third years had to help me create my Hotmail account. Amazing. <laughs> and then, so yeah, I got in. That was a, a long-winded story, but that is how, in my second year at college, obviously I worked with Brian Freeman. He knew me from such a young age. I was 17. So then every time he come back, he would hire me again, or I just got seen from doing that job. And yeah, it gave me the confidence boost that I needed. And <laughs> Yeah, I guess from there I kind of just knew that oh, I can, I can really do this. Like I literally went from a job that I always wanted to do in my second year. I think the lesson I take from that is like not start before you're ready because you were clearly ready to do it. But like I said, like you're not a third year, you haven't graduated, like you you weren't like perfect and ready and like you know the finished product. You went in and you nailed it, and you you know having almost like a mentor with Dean to, to give you that like confidence to say, you know, what, I think you should go for it. Um, that has opened 
that opened those huge first doors for you. You know, Jerry, Brian, you can't really get better, bigger, particularly in the UK. But you did it in your second year. And I think maybe that's something to take. You know, if you're if you're that person that's like, am I ready yet? Am I perfect? Am I going to be good enough? Like, go for it. Go for it. I learned so much in that one week. Like, and it really did build me up to be, yeah, a better dancer in so, in so many ways. So you've been in the industry for about 10 years? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Yeah, 10 years. Um, what happened next? So you're second year at Erdang and you've just booked the biggest job in the industry with the biggest agent and the biggest choreographer, legend. Um, mm. By the sounds of it, nailed it. So what, what was next? Like, how did the rest of the credits come along? Like, how did you, you graduate? Like, when you're in those auditions, and, you know, people have seen the movies, so I think they get an idea, they get a sense for how competitive those auditions can be, like 200 girls and they're looking for 10 people for the job or something like that, and you're going to stand yeah. out. How did you navigate that? Because I think it's a really good lesson in branding. Again, if anyone's listening to this, it doesn't matter whether you're a dancer, whether you're in HR, whether you're, you know, whatever industry you're in, you're going to go into a job interview, you're going to go into an opportunity and you're going to have to stand out to get what you want. Dancers really know how to stand out because you're literally in a room mm. with 200 people being like, I'm the best, you want to hire me. Um, how did you learn how to stand out from the crowd? I genuinely feel like it was just knowing what it was that I brought. The way I had to feel good in how I dressed that day, like 100%. I feel like I just early on kind of knew what looked good on my body and in turn that made me feel super confident in turn then made people want to watch me in turn then boosted my confidence to show off even more mm. so it uh, yeah I honestly think it just came to knowing what looked good on me and then that just boosted my inner confidence to come through when it was my time to just be present in the space I just knew that my strength in an audition was literally just holding presence. Like, and I would probably, yeah, choose the more minimal approach. It depends what it was, actually. Yeah, actually, it depends what it was. And it definitely depends who, who it's for. Knowing what the other person wants, knowing that you've done a little bit of research also just helps with your confidence and presence on the day. Like, you're prepared. Like, you kind of know who it is they usually hire. You know what it is that they want in a dancer you know so yeah I guess just being a little bit prepared as well boosted my confidence straight away but after the expert audition I just went back to college anyway for a little bit anyway I think I did a couple more that season and then it came around the next season and I did that and then BGT but I kind of yeah just um I got in a bit of trouble with the college for doing it but <laughs> so I, yeah the, the next two years were kind of quiet I, I finished college basically <laughs> And then you went off into the the industry and was it a case of that it just yes. like actually? Yeah, well, kind of. Like it was still slow. Like what, you I left college when I was 19. And then um I did like Britain's Got Talent and I just I was just shoved into this industry at such an age where I was young and still finding myself. Like at the time I remember even when I did Britain's Got Talent the first ever year I was with again all these like beautiful women I looked up to and I was this like young I didn't know how to do makeup hair like people were talking to me about extensions people were bringing me in hair pieces like I just had no clue about any of this stuff I just had to learn learn it all like it's a completely different story now but it's like funny how like the prime of my career I honestly didn't have a clue <laughs> such a great lesson because I think especially for for women like just don't wait until you're perfect like I keep saying to take the leap and to to go for it because what you're saying is you were finding all the success but you were like a deer in the headlights at the same time figuring it yeah. out as you go and there's actually nothing wrong with figuring it out as you go I think that's what most people do with but they don't necessarily talk about it how what's the fun in having it all figured out and then giving it a go like that would just be right. boring if I if I knew exactly what I was meant to do and how I was meant to present myself and how I was meant to look like it would just become then a job the fun is in learning along the way like and we are so more than capable of doing things that we don't necessarily feel a million percent prepared to do actually there's a lot of strength that comes from just diving into things not knowing what the outcome's going to be or how good you might 
you might surprise yourself and I think majority of the time we do I think we do and it makes me think back to the SOS instructor training course and one of our teaching methods is that we do a class to begin with then we talk through the manual then we have these things well techniques called life skills like hair whips body Mm -hmm. rolls like the foundation skills to build up a, a dance routine and we get our future bosses our students to teach on in like the first in the first hour of after the lunch break so pretty much on the first day straight in drop them in the deep end okay and go they're not ready to teach they don't want to teach they're so scared and they're like no but we just go and do it like there's no good time to start but because we start them so early and they make mistakes so early on by the end of the course they've they've come so far and um yeah I think don't Mm. don't wait until you're perfect to do something. Can you tell me about Dancers Network? When did that get founded? Tell me everything. Tell me all about it. Right. So, um, obviously, had an amazing career. I still do. I love it absolutely. And then um, it just got to that uh, stage where I felt like, oh, the same conversations were happening all the time with loads of different people that I'd be working with, like it was always about money or people were like transitioning through different careers, either do fitness or something else where they could earn more money alongside the odd occasional dance job and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was doing a festival. I was on t- tour with Fleur Reese at the time when she'd just finished um, X Factor. I think she was, yeah, she was blowing up. She was doing great. And I was with my friend, um, Hichelli Richie, some people might know her as, mm-hmm. and yeah, we was talking. We were like, why? Like, so, so now what? Like, we, we're doing all of this and, uh, like, we're, the paychecks are coming in. But, like, now what? Like, when when can I buy a house? When am I going right. to have the money to just, like, randomly buy a car if I want? Like, when am I – where's my savings account for all these holidays I can go on this year? Like, where is the money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. basically – like and I didn't know now looking back I don't know whether it's because we we weren't paid enough or it's because we're just not taught financial literacy on how to actually manage our money it's a whole thing like we're just so excited to be doing what we want to do that we kind of don't stop think we don't think of it as a career so then people stop and then move on to something else to do as a career it's like they they're all right to do dance for a little bit earn a little bit of money and then move on to something else mm-hmm. and I just had this realization was and I think I was actually working at Barry's Bootcamp at the time on the desk because I always always thought, oh, I'd want to be a Barry's trainer, knowing that there was like quite a lot of money in it. It's fun. It's like I, I like training as well. Um, in a way, it's kind of like teaching. And then honestly, something just clicked amongst these conversations I was having. And I was like, no, there's no I don't understand why all of these other people can be doing in a similar industry, could be doing exactly what they love to be doing, earning X amount a year. Um, being able to save, being able to treat themselves, but why not us when we are actually in an industry that earns triple the amount that the fitness, or like we are in a multi-millionaire industry? Why is it not distributed fairly enough? Or why are we why are we not learning to manage our money well enough to know that we can also be earning this type of money in our industry? Like I don't understand why this conversation isn't happening, or why no one's like looked at the, the seeping gaps and um yeah just started having these conversations so yeah me and my friend Richie I was like right I'm gonna get a conversation going I started going into equity a lot uh, mm-hmm. so did she separately and I was like right I just need to get all the industry together real quick like just get a haul I just need to air my concerns like why are we not on the same page even for the most simplest of things like why when we are performing on stage are we all just bringing our own clothes and everyone wearing their brand new 90 pair trainers on stage to get ruined and like why are even things like mm-hmm. that like why, why is there no rules there's just no rules I just couldn't understand it how have I been in this industry for so long like, accepting these like not even the simplest of things our working hours I was like I don't even know what I'm getting paid sometimes until I actually get it like why are we not even asking those questions it's crazy so yeah just to air all of this out basically mainly probably for myself and it's not necessarily to fight I don't want to that's not even within my nature I don't want to like we need more money it's, it was never about that it's not that what I see is space to create more fairness within it like it's just we just need to be just 
the rates just need to be distributed fairly. I generally think, because it's so abnormal these days for people to enjoy their job, like they just look at us and think, oh, they're having a great time. They don't mind. It's it's actually how I pay my rent. So (laughs) we just started basically with standard working conditions, like realising, having that awareness so that, oh, wow, we generally have no rules right now. Nobody is on the same page, which is why we are so undervalued, because it just is like a competition if you can get dancers for less, because no one's got no minimum, even for conditions. Like, no, they can't work any longer than eight hours, regardless. Then it's overtime at this percentage. All of these little minor adjustments we got a load of dancers together first to come together with even just standard rules and things we want like getting cars before certain hours so that we're not Mm -hmm. spending our own money on like the peak time travel and stuff like that and lunch covered and even just getting a break (laughs) like break. so it's so basic right yeah but we managed to get all the agencies together we met everyone like individually and then got them all together before as a whole movement and yeah we all sat together for like eight months every single month and then created this document supported by equity as well which now it that's just a starting point for everyone for the agency so when like Fremantle production company go to someone that there's no gaps everyone mm-hmm. currently just for even working conditions is saying the same thing no you can't get you can't, the dancers won't work for more hours from x and they won't work less over here everyone's the same but yeah it, like even that and like the music videos that 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 rate we actually did say a rate for that but yeah lots of things have improved even our rates for shows and rehearsals we just realized we've actually been on the same rate for like 18 years and inflation goes up everything goes up living goes up and it's like we're still on the same like this is this can't be okay like and um so it was it, it was a night it was a really positive um movement and a really effective outcome but there's just loads yeah there's it's just endless which is actually what's so fun about it like Mm. um there's just always something else to do and improve and I genuinely just think the shift is in our mentality for dancers to know that just because you like it doesn't mean that you have to do it for little to nothing I heard a really really great um quote recently and I think it was Brene Brown it was advice that she was given um, and someone looked, I'm pretty sure it was Brene Brown and someone looked at her like quotes or her invoicing and they said, why are you charging so little for this? And she said, well, this is the thing that comes most naturally to me. Like, this is the thing that's easiest for me. So I'm going to charge less because it's easy for me to deliver. And they said, no, 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 because it's so easy for you, that's your gift. And that's what you should be charging three times more for it comes easily to you, but it doesn't mean that it's just because it comes easily to you doesn't mean that it's any less valuable. It just means you've got a gift to share. I think there's something really powerful in that because when something does come really naturally to us, like dancers literally dance, we can dance in our sleep, whether it's dance, whatever it is, just because it's your gift and it comes really easily to you, effort and value don't necessarily always correlate. Yeah, I agree. Because you can see why people naturally feel that way and then feel bad for charging more. But it's like, actually, no, that's, that is the shift in mentality. I love yeah. that. Yeah, no, actually, this is exactly what we should be charging more for. There's something very natural in you where you take on the responsibility in a very empowered way. You're so about the love, like your teacher literally says, more love, love more. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you take a situation that could be incredibly disempowering and really like, you know, inspire an enormous amount of very valid anger for the dance community. But rather than kind of being disempowered about it and getting angry and thinking like, fuck you all, you know, you go, no, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm not just going to do something about it from a position of like anger or like hatred for a situation. You come at it and find a way to actually make it really empowering. Go, no, 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 this is on our shoulders, but that's something that seems to be come really naturally to you. Where does that come from? Like, where does that mentality come from where I go, well, it's not part of the business model. Like, they're just not factoring dancers in. And you go, well, actually, no, that's something that's empowering for us. And as a community, we can make the change. We don't have to wait for a producer in a lofty office somewhere to give us permission to do that. Like, where does this mentality come from? Because it's really powerful. I don't know where it comes from. It's just all that I see. 
it, to me it's just so clear like there's no point in getting angry at other people for not treating us a certain way or offering us a certain thing like what can we do guys like let's for one we've never even come together so let's just start doing that let's actually talk about what we would like to see happen are we ready to actually act on that okay clearly we have been hence why we've got this document now next bit right now we need to like up the level a bit now we need to start getting a little bit more precise now we need to look at different areas it's to me it's the only way for longevity yeah I don't I just feel like there's no other way what we're essentially trying to do is yeah move a whole industry's mindset and Mm. it's not going to come from anybody other than us and it just takes a little bit more consistency resilience and work from certain individuals but I just I just see it whenever it feels good to me I'll make another move (laughs) so let's talk about that because you like before we started recording you were like I've had a chill day like I've done my meditation I know like I've obviously not every day is chilled for you but I feel like Whenever I speak to you, like, I've just done a meditation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, you'll be like, oh, I've just gone cold water swimming and it's middle of the winter. Um, like, so you're, you're a spiritual person. You have a very, very clear spiritual practice. You're very focused on self-growth. Um, mm, yeah. There's always a story behind that. So t- tell me about your spiritual journey because it seems like it's underpinning everything we've spoken about so far. You know, this career dancers network which is you know for anyone listening that hasn't seen it check out dancers network on instagram like Mm. it's a really really big movement it's real like it's making a really big impact there's a spirituality behind you that's coming through and all of this love and light is spiritual so can you talk to me a bit about how that happened and your like spiritual discovery and how you uh your like spiritual practice again like who knows when this happened it just suddenly was who I was there's not a pin in moment for me where I was suddenly like oh there's more to life there's other dimensions there's a whole spiritual dimension like on the surface level there was a heartbreak that I went through Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with career or anything like that but it was uh, the, the one point I can honestly remember feeling like how do I get out of this pain and I started like going away on my own. I took a trip away on my own. It's the first time I went away on my own. Mm-hmm. And it was that alone trip. And now that's what I do all the time, by the way, like you know that. Like I just throwing myself in uncertainty and all of that ad- spontaneous adventure. I just learned so much about me and about, I love creating analogies for life. Like that is literally what life is like to just, be uncomfortable with not knowing what's coming next let the unfolding just happen let life take us to this destination don't try and figure it out and for me to be okay with that for me to know especially this career that we're in and these big things that I see or that I want to try and create or to not get overwhelmed to not feel to not let fear stop me to not suddenly feel like I want to stop it all there's no other way than to keep up this practice that I feel soothes me right. because I genuinely feel like if I didn't do these practices or, or dive into self-growth or understand myself more and more every single day, I would easily get overwhelmed. Like we all would. I would I'd want to stop. I'd, I wouldn't understand why I'm doing it. Why do we challenge ourselves? Why do we get ourselves in these situations? Why are we trying There'd just be a massive like because it's just so much easier to not like just get a normal job earn some money pay your bill go on a little holiday when you want like play it safe but I just believe that life is not for that it's for adventure it's for thriving it's for creating it's for challenges it's for the losses the tragedies that I just believe in the whole ride Mm -hmm. and for me to be able to just stay on it for all of it the spiritual self-growth practice for me is key. I, again, that's something that I'd really like to shine a spotlight on is that you can be so in the flow, like in the flow, you know, like in your soul's flow and in that spiritual flow and still achieve. You don't have to, you know, there's, I think we subscribe to this belief that you have to like dig yourself into an early grave and like, I'm so busy, I'm so stressed as a sign of success. The busier you are, the more stressed yeah. you are, the more successful you are. Yeah. It's not actually, it doesn't have to be that yeah. way. 
I honestly think the most successful people are the most are the more peaceful. Like everything that's happening outside of us is literally just an extension of how we are inside. So if it's going well for you, but you also feel great, like there's no point in things going well for you externally if you're not feeling happy. What is the point of that? How is that actually success? To me, I don't look at those people and be like, mm. I admire you. I admire the people that seem to just literally, whether they've got a lot of money and they're happy, that's great. Whether they don't and they're happy, that's great. Like whatever it is for you, because I feel like we always we all go through different stages as well. Like you're like we're quite at a similar stage right now where we want to create businesses, and I, I want to see like, cool, how much money can I create in this life, and that I can put to good, and then I'll. I'll probably change to something else and want to earn nothing, go live in like a van somewhere. Like it's just that I just think we're constantly changing. So talk to me about your actual spiritual practice, because I know you have a few. So talk to me. So let, let me like create a scenario for you. The stresses have come in, something's happened, and you're like, like you're in that like space. Because you're human, like you're a human being, it happens. The stress mm-hmm. has come in. And maybe it's triggered you in some way. And you're like, you're in that space. Talk to me about what do you do next? For me, I've really found it with meditation. So I would definitely just sit with myself first and breathe for a minute, calm myself down. If I have time to just quickly write it out, I will. Mm-hmm. Like, what is up? Like, how am I feeling? Is there anything that can be done? I honestly think... I don't know I haven't felt like that in a long time where it's come up I, I think I'm at that space where I kind of stop it before and I honestly think it's because I found a routine for so long that I like I do meditate every single day morning and evening I do journal I do do all the gratitudes I do so and you do I, it every day regardless of whether something's come up for you like it's just part of your day regardless yeah, of what's gone on that day yeah 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 the key is time to yourself like because then you don't become resentful you don't suddenly I, I used to feel like especially do it when I started dancers network oh, I'm doing all of this stuff like but like I used to have these moments where I felt really like what am I even doing this for like this is all for everyone else I started resenting it a bit but it's because I was putting it before myself like I would I, I would be choosing to wake up oh and answer a phone call oh they're ringing me I need to answer to but no, we're in charge, actually. I don't have to answer anything. <laughs> if I want to put myself first in that moment and just choose, even if I've woke up later, nope, I'm still having an hour and a half to myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I get back to you, it's going to be so much more productive and conscious. Because I think there's, the minute we start slipping into putting these other things or emails first before those moments in the day to ourselves is when it starts becoming resentful and we start slipping and we start mm. getting stressed and we start I just generally think like the moments for you first is I mean that's what I've realized is key for me that's <laughs> so interesting I think yeah there's, and again there's something in that especially because the next thing I'm going to ask you is your confidence as a woman so just like caveating the two don't know if you agree with me, but I found in my personal experience and of all the research I've done that there's a conditioning that women have to put themselves last to be a good woman, um, you know, to be a good mother, to be a good partner, mm. to be a good businesswoman. It's all about give, 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 give to other people. Again, I, I feel like there's some kind of uh, model for success, particularly as a woman, like oh, she, she can have children, she can be a wife, she can be a businesswoman, or she can do all of these things. But, and then if she does anything, gives anything back for herself, even from, whether it's asking more money, taking for more time for herself, she's selfish in some way. She's difficult, which gets used all the time. Again, there's that, um, I, I think that there's really something to be said about women reclaiming their time back and reclaiming their, I always say, if you can, give as much love, you know, the amount of love you give to someone else, if you can turn that around and give yourself the same amount of love as a woman, that's something that's really powerful. Have you ever experienced that? I think, I think so. I honestly think that I've got to a point where I'm so authentically myself in a way that everyone just kind of accepts me. Right. (laughs) Like even my, even my friends, like there's times where I'm like, no, I, I, I I don't really want to, go and drink at a bar anymore or go out for a meal at the minute just because of the 
this period that I'm in I just sometimes I go quite isolated Mm -hmm. and like those that really care about you will understand that but it's purely because that time for you is so important so then the love and the giving that you can give back to others is even bigger and greater like Mm -hmm. like I, I think about leaders all the time like um it's always about getting people up to the top before you or like helping people before yourself and I love that but it's because of the work they've done on themselves first they're strong enough to be able to provide that space for others right like you're not you're not giving out to everybody first because there's not that you wouldn't be you wouldn't be as good like the greatest of the greatest leaders are only great because they're so powerful within themselves like Mm. so whether they're doing that behind the scenes but everything they can give to others is just coming from like a stronger source from them Mm -hmm. like I like um I not long went to Scotland and I was like hiking a load of mountains and when I was there I watched Everest again and I loved that film and I was honestly was even just looking at there's people that are obviously hired purely to get people just to the top of the mountain and like to know that that they can do it they've done it a million one times they've been up down up down like they know but their one job then is like go up and then maybe yeah come back down and pick someone else up get them to the top constantly put in other people before themselves but before Mm. this trip that they have that is purely to serve others they've been training themselves on them to be good and strong enough for so long Mm-hmm. So I, I think giving others and serving others and putting everybody first, whether you're yeah, a mother or a wife or partner, serves its time and its purpose. Absolutely. Like, I think that's what we're so great at it. Like, I think mm. that's one of that. That's why women are so amazing, because we can give so much. But it makes us even more powerful if we I genuinely believe we just find the time to give to ourselves first purely with the intention of then just giving it straight back yeah yeah I think maybe it's, I feel like I've, one of the reasons I'm so on it is because as, as you know like I've been in hospital mm. twice over the past year um as a result of subscribing to this like very high cortisol way of driving success so then this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast is because when you start having these conversations and you start talking to people that I, I I'm inspired by and um, that have had a lot of success. There's a new way of doing things that is a bit more feminine. Um, and talking about what you've done, like if you're going to being a leader, um, and it doesn't have you don't have to be a leader of Fortune 500 company. You can just be a leader in your community, a leader in your family. Mm. There's a training and there's a there's a practice behind leadership that people aren't necessarily talking about, and it comes from like putting yourself on charge so you can deliver at your best and never neglect that time to put yourself on charge before you give to others. It's not selfish. There's no, nothing, there's no shame in it. Um, take no. like carve that time out. And I think we're like women are the water, like we are the flow, we are the feminine. And I just think when it comes like to leadership and business as well, there's a masculine energy that has, that comes forth with that. We're so lucky because we have our feminine comes so much easier to us to balance it out. Right, and I think right. it's just for us to remember that, that when we're in that masculine energy of, especially for you when it comes to business and striving for success, like don't neglect this feminine of you that is like, re- like it wants to help, like that we are the flow, like we are the music that moves everything to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And it's just that I understand it's really easy to get caught up in that do do masculine energy go 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 but honestly I just think the journey for us is just going to be so much more blissful if we tap yes. into the feminine as well it's there to make it easier for us like and I love that I love that yeah. It's, yeah it's there to make it easier for us and um two more questions before we wrap up when you dance if anyone wants, like, go and watch some videos of Lily dancing. Like, you're this super empowered, sexy, fierce woman. How did you get there? It's really funny. Like, this is why social media and stuff. So, you can honestly pretend to be whoever you want. Like, literally, <laughs> because the journey for me has has been the complete opposite. Like, I especially recently, or in the last couple of years, maybe since doing Dancers Network, I took this whole turn with confidence within dance. And like I found it so hard to try and find my essence essence within it again. And I'm still on it. Like 
and I, I teach now as well a lot and I love it and um mm. but even um I started filming my own classes even that was a step for me and I am pushing myself I've only done it twice before the next time's next Monday but okay. to just even perform it first on my own in front of the camera right the the challenge for that that like anxiety like oh I'm not good enough or on or when while I'm dancing feeling like struggling with being present I don't know what happened I used to be so in it so present so on it but like the, like what you said like the rejections everything happens gets in the way and the self-doubt and now I'm coming through the other side it just it, it, I just think it just comes with accepting whatever's going to arise in this moment like it is what it is like I just think letting go of perfection we put way too much pressure on ourselves just let it be whatever it's going to be let whatever's going to come out come out don't take yourself too seriously for one lady hood is what I tell myself (laughs) (laughs) and like yeah just have fun in this moment like be great like I feel sometimes we're so afraid to shine. I definitely have been. I think maybe being a back and dance as well, you're always behind the artist. You always have to shoulder off the person at the front. That's the star. And if it's not the artist, I've always found myself doing that in class videos, whether it be the teacher. Always, I find it so hard to put myself front centre to be the one. Like, and I've been really questioning that lately and I'm trying to like move myself like, it's all right to be seen again like I don't know where this like what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is determination this right right at the beginning when you want to be seen then suddenly the spotlight's on you and you're just like <laughs> but yeah I'm going through this transition right now of like yeah just we change the way I perform and the way I dance might mm. not be the same as it was when I was 17 like my interests are changing my body is changing everything is changing so it's just about for me embracing this and it is a new confidence that's coming through and it's um yeah I think maybe I was expecting or I'm trying to reinforce what I felt like I once used to feel when I performed but it's like maybe I'm just different now so maybe it's like let's just embrace what wants to come through these days and Mm. yeah Mm having fun not I just think yeah I need to stop taking myself too seriously and we, and with that confidence just comes through I think like just being authentically yourself is what inspires others to be their authentic selves and that's mm. what pure confidence is on that note that is <laughs> so beautifully and eloquently I want that to be my mantra we're going to do the quick fire questions so oh my god I didn't prepare <laughs> are you ready favorite music video of all time Oh, what's the uh, love on top? It's not a good video. I just like the song. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it's an amazing routine. Who's your all-time favourite Shiro? Wonder Woman. A full circle moment where you're living something that you dreamed of doing. Oh, I didn't. I actually think I'm going to go with travelling. Okay. And my, I, you know, when um, I was going to go to something. No, no, no. Let's go with career. Hundred percent. When I was when I did X Factor, I guess okay. it doesn't describe it very much better than that. Being on stage, being like, I actually dreamt of this, and I'm on. I remember watching the show, being like, I'm going to be one of those dancers, and then to know I was on that stage with that X next to Simon Cow, being like, yeah. I'm actually here. Crazy. Um, your favorite way to relax? Crystals hot bath incense and the meditation music if a, if someone or a situation tells you that you can't what's your next action hmm. we'll see about that <laughs> i'll say okay thanks for your opinion and i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you just if it's something that you want to do and someone says, I can't, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? You're going to do it. You're going to at least attempt it. It doesn't really make a difference. I, I just, I love that. I, <laughs> I hope, like, I just hope that anyone that ever hears it, especially in the, the age that we're in, where we're fighting for equality and we're going through this like revolution for equality, mm. whether it's BLM, 
racial, you know, racial equality, gender equality, equality for um, LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. whatever form of equality it is, if you're told you can't do something, if you're told you can't be something, doesn't matter. You do it anyway. You just keep going. You don't hear yeah. it. Don't, yeah, it doesn't matter. No. It's very empowering. The most empowering piece of advice you've ever received? I genuinely think somebody and someone that's someone telling me that knows me that I am capable just someone saying you are capable mm-hmm. I think the sim- the simplest things are the most empowering like imagine when you feel like you don't know what's coming next or you really do feel a little bit lost and someone you care about saying no you're capable of this like making something that feels so unreachable reining it in being like making it simple you're capable you can do this you are magic I love that saying actually you are magic I say that to a lot of people and it's just that we are which means anything is possible Mm. and I think that's super yeah that's empowering you are magic that's it you are magic that's why when um for our first routine of the year we did Ariana Grande just like magic and I said I was like Lily Lily can you teach this because it can't like I'm like she's just the perfect person yeah, the lyrics to that, I remember listening to it being like, Bonnie, absolutely, this song is a bit of me. Yeah, yeah. For sure. The last question, and then I've got a, a one bonus question for you, if it's okay. Um, what's next for you? Do you know what? I don't know, and I think that's the beauty of it. The beauty of not knowing of what's yet unfolding for me. Yeah, so I guess what's next is more growth. More yeah. growth, more experiences, more unfolding. And my final question is, what's your personal mission it's to bring this vibrant being of light to our everyday lives and being a connector to all like Mm -hmm. I love the idea of bringing people together connecting I want to create profound change in whatever way that be for whatever moment that arises yeah being a vibrant being that's connected to all creating profound change in our world and industries. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Lily, thank you so, so much. <laughs> I'm so glad we, we finally got to do this. Like I said, I've been wanting to, to interview you for ages. So thank you um, so much for being a guest. I've loved it. Um, and I'll put in the, in the notes where you can find Lily, like where you can follow her, follow her journey of growth of what you should what yes. you to put on social media <laughs> um, and yeah just thank you so much oh thank you so much for having me bonnie like there's so many things i just wanted to like ask you back as well but we, we will catch up oh i have so much love for you thank you for having me